The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven.
This week in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, Dante Wright was pulled over for an expired permit and did what many young men might do, especially a young black man in a community less than a year removed from the murder of George Floyd just a few miles away. He called his mom. And as you're probably aware, that is the last time that the two spoke. As a family, we lift our voice of continued lament, crying out for justice and healing for the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tamir Rice, Betty Jones, Tatiana Jefferson, Levante Briggs, the list goes on and on. Again, communities of color experience this all too familiar, recurrent, seemingly inescapable trauma. And again, we grieve. And so, Ecclesia, as we begin our time today, may we continue to hold in tension the joy of Easter resurrection, which lingers and undergirds our faith and participation in the movement of God in this world, while also mourning the sting of injustice, violence, and death, which persists. Join me in a moment of silence as we center our hearts once more in worship and trust. Take a deep breath, one which has been denied so many of our sisters and brothers. And on the inhale, be reminded of this simple word that changes the course of everything, Christ. And on the exhale, the reminder of our reliance is Lord. Breathe in, Christ. Exhale is Lord. Christ is Lord. Ecclesia, let's lift our voices in worship. We love you. Just one. 
I 
Ecclesia, we thank you for the ways that you continue to partner with us as we seek to be a people who faithfully steward all that God has entrusted to our care. And so I invite you to join me in this offertory prayer we'll read together. God, our provider and sustainer, you bind all of creation together, every molecule a gift from your hand. The life and love of Jesus display the power of generosity Two fish and five loaves multiplied to feed thousands. We give because we belong to you and to one another. We give trusting that you will use these gifts to do what none of us can do alone. We open our hands in joy and hope. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and I'm thrilled you can worship with us today. We are so blessed with amazing musicians. I hope even from home, or maybe you're gathering with some friends on your patio, that you're singing along and joining with us in worship and in prayer. Uh, there's a lot of good news. The world is starting to open up a bit, and we are starting to gather more and more with in-person opportunities every Sunday at both campuses, 9 and 11, west side and downtown. We're gathering in person, mostly outdoors, but sometimes we'll face some rain and we'll go inside and we're set up to do it safely inside. Sometimes we're gonna face some heat as we get further into May and we're gonna make the transition indoors and slowly we're gonna return to some sense of what our new normal is. And this is what that means. That means there's more opportunities to serve and to gather. I'm gonna be leading some beautiful opportunities. I'm calling human practice. They're a dinner and they're an invitation back into the world and a reminder of who we're made to be in the world, how we're meant to engage our neighbors and our friends. Because many of us have kind of pulled in. We've cocooned a bit, very much so, over these last couple of years. Uh, I'm gonna invite you back to one of my favorite things to do, the Astros. We're gonna go see baseball games. You know what, they're gathering safely at the baseball games. And we've got 12 tickets this year in our little Ecclesia box. It's in a new location. It's a great location. We can see the screen really well. And you know what we're doing? We're just spending time together, especially those of us that are fully vaccinated and ready to get back to the world. I'm among those and I love it. It feels so good to eat a hot dog and to watch our hometown boys win. And they've been winning pretty often and it's a lot of fun. So if you want to get more information, you want to join me, other staff and friends, maybe you want to bring your small group, uh, you want to join our homeless brothers and sisters at a game, you can go to ecclesiahouston.org slash Astros and get all the information. You can sign up. I want to see you at the ballpark.
there are also more opportunities to serve. And I don't know about you, but I'm at my best. I'm at my happiest when I'm serving you and the brothers and sisters around us. We need um, ecclesians to come and help us prep, grab and go meals for our homeless brothers and sisters. We need people that will cook and we need those that will go and help deliver the meals to our brothers and sisters in need. Check in on them, say a prayer with them. Uh, just the things we're always meant to do and we're gonna be doing more of it. You can go to ecclesiahouston.org slash outreach. Ecclesia, all the things I've told you about today, the best way to communicate with us is through the Church Center app. You can do it on the website, but the Church Center app is just set up to make it really easy. If you'll download it, you can sign up for events. You can let us know you're coming to a service on the weekend. You can sign up to serve. You can also give through the Church Center app and all the things that we're called to do are a product of our worship, our gifts and donations to God through our local church, Ecclesia. You can also give at the website and you can give by texting to 84321. All you have to do is text the donation amount. We're blessed with amazing teachers and friends. I was so excited to worship together in person at White Oak Music Venue on Easter and we're gonna keep the momentum going. Our friends Thad and Propaganda just echoed over and over, what an amazing church. They said, this is the only church we can imagine being with uh, on a regular basis or coming to celebrate Easter with. And it was just such a beautiful experience. We're blessed today that our brother Sean Palmer is gonna open the scriptures with us. I wanna invite you now to open your hearts and ask God to speak to you through our dear brother. Hello, Ecclesia. It is great to be with you again. Particularly, it's great to be with you because we are in the season that's known in the church historically as Eastertide. This is that 50-day window between Resurrection or Easter Sunday and the day of Pentecost. It's one of those periods on the Christian calendar that kind of gets swept over a lot because of the elation of Easter that we just got to take a break. But it's one of the more crucial seasons of our rhythm of life as the people of God. And one of the reasons that I think Eastertide is really important is because it's all about living in the light of the resurrection. That this man, Jesus, who claimed to be God, was actually vindicated as God in a world with all sorts of different people and all sorts of different religions and spiritual takes that, that he is the one that's vindicated as God because he does what no one else was able to do, which is to overcome death and give us all victory over death. And in Eastertide, what we say is because Jesus lives, we live, we see the world in a different way, a fundamentally different way. We live a resurrected life. Or at least we're supposed to. You know, one of the sad things, one of the realities of our existence is that right now, people who say they believe in the resurrection, well, by most statistics, don't live any differently than people who reject the resurrection. Our marriages statistically only last a few statistical points longer, a few years longer. Our friendships aren't particularly deeper. Our relationships aren't more robust. Those of us who believe in the resurrection find ourselves not all that different than those who say they don't believe in the resurrection. As a matter of fact, 
we are more likely as the people of God, people who believe in the resurrection, we are more likely to give to charity and to work to end injustice, but we're also more likely to condone war and torture. And so we actually need this season of the year to remind us that there should be, that there is something fundamentally different about living as resurrected people. And I think the reason that we often fail to remember that we are resurrected people is because we don't ask ourselves a very simple, a basic question that the first followers of Jesus were asking all the time. And they were asking because they didn't know, but we think we know. And that question is tucked away, it's hidden in this little story about the disciples and Jesus on a boat in Mark four. Here's how Mark tells that story. He says that same evening, Jesus suggested they cross over to the other side of the lake. Jesus has been teaching and healing and he's tired. He wants to get away from the crowds. With Jesus already in the boat, they left the crowd behind and set sail with a few other boats that followed. As they sailed, a storm formed. The winds whipped up huge waves that broke over the bow, filling the boat with so much water that even experienced sailors among them were sure they were going to sink. Jesus was in the back in the stern of the boat, sound asleep on a cushion. When the disciples shook him awake, they said, Jesus, master, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus got up, shouted words at the wind and commanded the waves. That's enough. Be still, Jesus says. And immediately the wind died down to nothing. The waves stopped. And Jesus turns to his disciples and those on the boat and he says, how can you be so afraid? After all, after all you've seen, where is your faith? The disciples were still afraid, slowly coming to grips with what they had seen. And they say to one another, who is this Jesus? How can it be that he has power over even the wind and the waves? And like, that's the question. The question that we think that we know the answer to, but they did not pretend to know the answer to. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus really? What is Jesus up to in the world? And it's important for us to ask that question because if we don't ask that question, you know what we'll do? We'll just make up who Jesus is. And most of the time, we'll just make up a Jesus who looks an awful lot like us. It'll be a Jesus who supports what I support, who is animated by the things that I'm animated by. It'll be the Jesus who supports the politics that I support. It'll be the Jesus who condones the sins that I condone and condemns the sins that I condemn. It will be the Jesus who likes these kind of people, the same kind of people that I like. And it'll be the Jesus that doesn't like other kinds of people. 
I love what Anne Lamont says, and you can safely assume that you have created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. Like, who is Jesus? Like, now that we have celebrated the resurrected Lord, what does that mean? Who is he this whole time? But here's what I love about Jesus and this story from Mark 4. That Jesus asked them about their faith. But he already knows the answer. And more than that, Jesus isn't just looking to interrogate the disciples. He's looking to create an opportunity. Because he wants them to ask this question. He wants them to want to know, who is he? Because Jesus knows what you and I know, that it's really easy to get behind a courageous teacher. It's really simple to support a real bold leader. It's wonderful to give someone support who's gonna heal all your problems and promise to overcome the people who oppress you. Man, we do that all the time. He wants them to ask a deeper question. And he knows that they probably have some ideas about who he is rattling around in the back of their mind because there's another story earlier in the scriptures about another prophet who is asleep on a boat when a storm forms and it threatens to sink the boat. You, you remember that story? That prophet's name was Jonah. Jonah is doing the exact opposite of what God's called him to do. And Jesus is doing the very thing that God has called him to do. Which is a lesson for us. That we should never assume that we are doing or not doing the right thing just because it's not keeping us up at night. Who is Jesus? Is he like Jonah? Is he like John the Baptist? Who is he? And once we answer that question, should that matter? Jesus wants you to ask that question. Not only that on Easter did Jesus do something, but who are you and what should you do because of what Jesus did? Who has the right to speak to the waves and the wind? And who would the wind and waves obey? Jesus wants this question on the table. But, it, but it's funny because Jesus has kind of already answered this question. Some of you will remember when Jesus starts his public ministry, right before he starts rounding up all of his disciples and he's announcing who he is and what he's going to do. You remember what he says? What he says to the people? He said, repent and believe the good news. Repent? 
I've been in the church a long time. And I'll tell you, I don't know very many people who like the word repent. And some of us were raised in churches where the idea of repentance was all about sackcloth and ashes and guilt and making you feel bad. And you were ready to repent of stuff because they laid it on so thick that you had never done, that you'd never even thought about doing. And Jesus sometimes means that. Jesus wants you to know we're not perfect human beings. We're fallible. We sin every day. We introduce pain into the world every day. And we should repent of that. But it's more. This Greek word metanoia, and when it's a, when it's a verb, what it means is to, to perceive, to change the way you think. Jesus wants us to think differently about who he is. That he's not just a teacher and a healer. Jesus is more than a therapist or a counselor or your spiritual boyfriend or girlfriend. Who is Jesus is a question that for your life, for my life, we really need to put some time into thinking about. And the problem is, most people don't like to think at all. Remember, we're, we're cognitive misers. We take the past of least thinking just about every time. And it's not just the people you know or the people you find on Facebook or Twitter. It's all of us all the time. And Jesus is calling us to be people who are constantly rethinking who he is and what he is up to in the world. So I recently read Adam Grant's book, Think Again. It's about rethinking. And I love what he says about rethinking. He says, questioning ourselves makes the world more unpredictable. It requires us to admit that the facts may have changed, that what was once right may now be wrong. Reconsidering something we believe deeply can threaten our identities, making it as if we're losing part of ourselves. Rethinking isn't a struggle in every part of our lives. We refresh our wardrobes when they go out of style and renovate our kitchens when they're no longer in vogue. When it comes to our knowledge and opinions though, we tend to stick to our guns. And haven't you seen that? Haven't you seen people who just dismiss and reject new evidence, what's obvious in front of their eyes, what they've seen on video, just because it doesn't fit the narrative that they've come to deeply believe, that we just stick to our guns? He goes on, he says, psychologists call this seizing and freezing. We favor our comfort of conviction over the discomfort of doubt. And we let our beliefs get brittle long before our bones. We laugh at people who still use Windows 95, yet we still cling to opinions that we formed in 1995. We listen to views that make us feel good instead of ideas that make us think hard. And this is what Jesus is after in this moment with his disciples on the boat. You need to think hard about the way you have arranged your life, about what you believe is real and unreal, what's possible and impossible. 
You need to rethink what you're here for, what you're here to do, who you're here to love, how you spend your money, how you spend your time. Repent and believe the good news. Rethink, ask the questions. And so if we're, if we're apt to think wrongly about who Jesus is, to make him in our image instead of his own, that's a, an important question that we need to spend time with. But it's not like Jesus hasn't provided us an answer. Do you remember in school when you get math homework and the teacher would assign all of the even problems, all the even numbered problems, because the answers to all of the odd number problems were in the back of the book? Well, this text in Mark 4 kind of works that way. Because when Jesus sets up this opportunity in the boat with the storm, he's remembering and he's hoping that they remember what's said in Psalm 107. Psalm 107 says this, says some set out to sea in ships traveling across mighty seas in order to trade in foreign lands. They witnessed the powerful acts of the eternal, marveled at the great wonders he revealed over the deep waters. For he spoke and summoned a violent wind that whipped up the waves of the sea. Relentless waves lifted the ship high in the sky, then drove them down to the depths. The sailor's courage dissolved into misery. Is that story sounding familiar? They staggered and stumbled around like drunkards and they had no idea what to do. In their distress, they called out to the eternal and he saved them from their misery. He commanded the storm to calm down and it became still. A hush came over the waves of the sea. The sailors were delighted at the quiet and he guided them to their port. And what you have in Psalm 107, and what you have in Mark 4, the same story. And in Mark 4, Jesus saves the disciples. In Psalm 107, God saves the sailors. And what's Jesus want his disciples to know in this moment when Jesus has already been teaching and healing? He wants them to know that he is God. And all of the other things that we drape around Jesus, no matter how beautiful and good, no matter how healing and important, we can never lose sight of this. Jesus is God. Because right now, Maybe you or someone you know, we are tempted to believe that our bank account is God, that our boyfriend, that our girlfriend or having a boyfriend or girlfriend is God. We're tempted to believe that our career, our work is God. Too many of us believe that our political philosophy is God, that our marriages, that our children, 
And the reason, the way you can know whether or not you think something is God or whether something has become a God for you is that the thought of losing it feels to you like you would lose everything. And the word of the Lord in this season of Easter, as we are reimagining who it is we are for ourselves and for the world, is this Jesus who was vindicated by resurrection is in fact God. And we would be wise to heed the words of the Lord in Jesus's baptism when God says to John and all those gathered there, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And Ecclesia, we live in a world with a lot of noise, a lot of shouting, a lot of opinion. We live in a world that has trained us to believe that self-affirmation and self-expression is the highest good, that that's God itself. And all of that, both our joys and pain, are simply storms that rise or quiet themselves at the voice of the real God. And so may it be true for you and all of those you know and love that you would embrace in this season of the year a rethinking of your mind that Jesus and Jesus alone is God. Sean, thank you for bringing your teaching of God's word to us today. Ecclesia, we now come to the table of Jesus. It is Jesus who hosts this meal. And before we partake, the scriptures encourage us to take a look inside. And so would you join me in this confession prayer? Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. As I look at the table, sisters and brothers, I see the bread, I see the wine. And we are asked to remember, we're asked to remember the night that Jesus was arrested, 
when he gathered with his disciples for that Passover meal. And he gave thanks, he broke bread, and he said, when you eat this, remember me. And after the meal, he took wine, and he said, this is the blood shed for you, a symbol of my new covenant with you. When you drink it, remember me. Ecclesia, it's not what we've done today or what we did 10 years ago that brings us to this table. It's what God and his love for us has done for us. And so if you want to join Jesus in what he is offering, this table is for you. This is the body of Christ, broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. May we taste and see, feel and experience the resurrection life represented by these symbols. Amen. resting place in a search no more oh my soul has found its resting place in a search I search no more even my darkness Escape your steadfast love 
it's hard to believe it, but you say that it's true. Even my darkness, it is light to you. What a gift that we get to worship through music, Ecclesia. Now is the time in our service where we get to think of the children that are in our lives and pray a blessing over them. Some of you know that our kids are in a series right now on hospitality. And so join me as I pray for them as they learn how to love big. Creator, Redeemer, Encourager, thank you for the children that you have brought into our lives, into our community. We are praying that as they learn about hospitality, you would open their hearts bigger than they already are, that you would fill their minds with all of the ways of kindness that you have for them to demonstrate toward others. And God, let us, the adults, be models of that love, kindness, and hospitality. Amen. The psalmist laments, my heart seizes within my chest. I am in anguish. I shiver and shudder in fear. I can't stop because this horror is just too much. If only my arms were wings like the doves, I would fly away from here and find rest. Yes, I would venture far and weave a nest in the wilderness. I would rush to take refuge away from the violent storm and the pounding winds. But Ecclesia, the psalmist also says this, that God is our shelter and our strength. When troubles seem near, God is nearer and he's ready to help. So why run and hide? When the earth spins out of control, we are sure and fearless. When mountains crumble and the waters run wild, we are sure and fearless. Even in heavy winds and huge waves, 
or as the mountains shake, we are sure and fearless. A pure stream flowing, never to be cut off, is our God who never sleeps and always resides in the city of joy, who surrounds us and protects us. The true God of Jacob is our shelter. Close to his heart we stay. And so go forth in that assurance and trust, Ecclesia. Fear not. Continue to live in and share the light of God's resurrection world. You are loved. You are loved. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.